Blog Talk Radio. Calling all men. It's now your time for your show with your coach, the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Relax, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am pleased to tell you about today's show. We're going to be talking about the economics of more single women working. That's right. There are more single women in the workforce today than ever before, and that's having a profound effect on the U.S. economy. We're going to be joined today by my guest, Aaron Clary, and he's here to help me discuss whether your job is going to be in jeopardy. Aaron was formerly an economist, so that's why I brought him on today. He also supports Men's Issue. He has a podcast, very popular podcast, that you need to listen to, you can find him at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. He's also an author, a best-selling author of several books. you got to check these out as well, The Curse of the High IQ, Bachelor Pad Economics, and Worthless. Welcome, Eric, to the show. It's so great to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Linda. All right. Okay. So this crazy topic, apparently single working women are gaining steam because of the invention of the pill, and it's now taken several decades to catch up to it, but they've decided forget marriage, forget the guy, let's just be single working women. Part of it is due to that. Part of it is, oh, they can't find a man, and part of it is maybe some of them, a small percentage, maybe they don't want a family, they don't want to have kids and so forth. So there was a study that was done by Morgan Stanley, and here are some of the findings that they have brought forward, and then Aaron and I will talk about them. All right, so working women contribute more than $7 trillion to the American economy. Currently, in 2018, in the U.S., single women made up 41% of the working women who are aged 25 to 44. So they predict, this report predicts, that in 2030, in the U.S., 45% of working women in that age range will be single. So this will be the largest share in history, according to this research study. Morgan Stanley got most of their data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So in general, just as a sweeping overview, Aaron, how do you think this is going to affect the economy? How do you think it's going to affect men? Do you think it'll rattle the job security for men a little bit? Oh, is that all? That 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 it? I can, I can answer that. The answer is 42. No, <laughs> it's really hard to say, but how it's going to affect the economy, we've already kind of seen a trajectory given that baby boomer women were kind of the initial pioneers to go have the careers 
uh, and so forth. So you've seen more and more women entering the workforce. Back in those days, it was more quote-unquote traditional woman's type of work where you'd be a secretary and admin and all that. But more recently, we've had a huge push for women to go into STEM. Management, accounting, any things that are traditionally guys' uh, jobs, as long as they weren't trades, but anything that was in an office, women were encouraged to go and become that too. Uh, and on a larger economic basis, I don't know how much detail you want to get into it. What that has done is it has increased purchasing power. It's increased GDP per capita. It's increased income per capita. It's increased household income. But I don't know if it's necessarily made everybody happier. It had on paper made everybody richer because now you have more women earning more money. But there's some drawbacks to that as well. Women's spending patterns is a bit more consumer spending. This is also the result of debt both in personal and government levels, because now, well, we have to have that SUV. We have to have this. We have to have these trips. Not to say that men don't go into debt either for snowmobiles and boats and, and other things. But largely, when you have this exodus of women abandoning one job for another, and their previous job being raising children and homekeeping, that has largely been outsourced to the state, where you have daycare or government-financed daycare. You have the public schools, which you know I would say first and foremost is a babysitting operation, and maybe somewhere around there we get to education. And that has largely been financed by debt, because sadly, and it's just mathematics how it works, when women went into the work, Workforce, the increase in government spending that was required to either subsidize or fully take over their roles has increased any amount of taxes that they paid in and other things as well going into federal and state government budgets. But a fair amount of disproportional percentage of that debt and our deficits are in part caused by women leaving traditional roles as homekeepers, stay-at-home moms, et cetera, and working jobs that many times they are net economically productive, but oftentimes are not and need some kind of increase in government subsidy or spending to make up for that. So that's kind of a general assessment. That's what's happened economically. In terms of how it's affected men, it's affected men uh, as well financially, economically, and familially, if that's even an adjective, uh, but, but the family and men emotionally, psychologically, because it's, it's completely changed and upended the roles that women usually played in the past. Median wages, so we, the, you have mean wages, which have gone up, but that's also skewed by a lot of people having the majority of gains. Uh, but the mean, uh, median, sorry, median wages, uh, real adjusted for inflation, uh, have not really increased for men uh, since the 1970s. When you not double the labor force, but you darn near double it, uh, women entering the labor force increases the money, I'm sorry, not the money supply, the labor supply that at least puts pressure, downward pressure on wages. So men have suffered in that regard. And then men, I don't know if you knew it, but we kind of like women. And uh, we like female, feminine women. We don't like their women trying to be men. And this has horrifically hurt family formation. The baby boomers made divorce an Olympic event. I mean, they came out of the gate swinging on that one in the 70s and the 80s. And so I would even say, especially with the support slash propaganda, sometimes outright indoctrination, uh, where the public schools and government and media and television movies, they really push women to go into that career first, go into debt for a questionable, valuable degree, which then hampers their ability to fall in love, find a guy, have a family, and other things men are genetically programmed to want to have. And then even if they do happen to get married and they have the kids, you only have 24 hours a day. And the big lie that you can have it all. No, you can't. You can have a career, you can have a family, and you can have, uh, I forget what the third one is, it's choose two, because all three are not possible for any human being to have. So 
somewhere it is suffering and now you see a lot of that happening with divorce broken homes you could have a nuclear family where there is a husband and a wife together but with both parents working the kids are not being paid attention to or raised right so there is a lot of sociological and familial consequences to men with this migration from the house out to the workforce and not all necessarily good right yeah there's certainly positive economic benefits to women working if you don't spend more than you take in but there has absolutely been a, a horrific price paid in terms of mental health, sociological health, the health of society, families, crime. Yeah, absolutely. There's no such thing as a free lunch, and, and this certainly has proved it. All right. Well, if you've just joined us, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. We have open phone lines. I think we have a caller on the line. I'll get you in one second. Dial this number, 323-642-1677. We also have the chat line. If you're listening live, you can uh, go on our chat line, which is uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash DT Linda Gross forward slash DT Linda Gross and hop on the chat line. All right, let's bring somebody in. Hello, welcome to the show. Yep, good afternoon to both of you. How are you guys doing today? Hi, who are we speaking to? Yeah, my name is David. David, hi David. Thanks so much for calling the show. Yeah, Do you have a question or a comment? Yeah, of course. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the question I, I heard something in a recent um, discussion I was watching on the, uh, YouTube, and they were talking about how amongst single women under the age of 35, and compared to single men of the same age group, instead of their mm-hmm. uh, like salary-wise, they make significantly more graduation rates and college participation is much higher than among male counterparts. Is that true? And have you heard that stat? Aaron, do you want to take that well, one? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've heard plenty of statistics and the wage gap, even using the traditional measures, it is closing. But then there's where you control for other variables, which is one of the main complaints about the wage gap to begin with. The wage gap uh, with the 70 cents on the dollar that comes from all women's earnings up against all men's earnings. And it's like, well, yeah, women aren't majoring in engineering or uh, accounting and are becoming surgeons at the rate men are. So when you account for these variables, that gap pretty much goes away. There's a little bit of a little gap left that you could say is actually contributed to a genuine sexually-based wage gap. And it was put up by the Obama administration for all things. So I'm, I'm kind of in, inclined to, to believe it, not because I believe the Obamas, but they had every political interest to have it not come out that way. But now, yes, it is true. When you started, there's a couple studies coming out now that when you adjust for what you major in, age, years experience, hours on the job, women are actually making more money than men. And that's in part, I would also say, because of affirmative action promotion, where by gosh, we just have to get women into these fields. We have to promote women. And it's unfortunately and erroneously based in the flawed wage gap where women earn 77 cents on the dollar, which yes, is true on a macro national level, but there's a lot of difference between somebody working part-time and somebody who's putting in 80 hours a week versus somebody who's a secretary versus somebody who's a chemical engineer. And so since we had to, quote, close that wage gap with affirmative action, what you've really done is made it unmeritocratic and simply not fair. Now women are earning more than men. And as you also said, women do. Studies are always questionable. There's no such thing as 100% accurate study. But this is true that women now account for the majority of college students, both, both in undergrad and graduate level. My dad is a little bit dated from the book I wrote, Worthless, eight, nine years ago. But women, 65% of them major in worthless stuff. I mean, there's just no, 65% of them might as well just hang it up and go home and not even bother. 
So, again, the misleading thing about that statistic is it sounds like, oh, men and boys are falling behind women in terms of education, where it's like, no, men and boys are actually ahead of women in education because you're smart enough not to go to college for a worthless degree. And so staying at home, working, saving your money, not crippling yourself with $100,000 of debt for a worthless degree, or going into the trades, and, and certainly not doubling down on a worthless degree and going into grad school for you know an English degree or a law degree or something like that, that is actually helping men, even though on the face of it, it sounds like, oh, not as many men in education, that's bad. Well, no, keep in mind, education, to use the word appropriately, most of modern-day higher education is toxic. It's a liability, not an asset. And so it's all key on what you decide to study. And so that's where women are, quote-unquote, on paper coming out ahead of men, but you absolutely would not envy them. In reality, they are not. They are simply just going into debt for horrifically bad degrees and, and crippling their finances well into their future. Gotcha. Thank you for that answer. What I see with this new Morgan Stanley statistic is I think wages are going to go down if left unchecked. But there's a way to correct that, but we have to correct it uniformly. I think as the women enter the workforce and as they go for these higher paying jobs, I think the employers are just going to seek that leveling point. I mean, the employer, the owner still has to make a certain profit margin off of that employee being there, right? So it's probably going to go down to the women's level. So in that sense, new men that are entering that particular company are probably going to enter at her level. So what I would like to see, so this crippling effect doesn't happen, and it has to be standardized among all companies that are over 25 people. Much like a FICO score, you have to have one set of standards that apply to all companies. I'd like to say, all right, if you have X amount of education, that translates to five to $10,000 more money. If you have specific experience in the field, again, that translates to X amount of dollars. If you have managerial experience, that translates. So all these different echelons that you can add to your base pay. So everyone might be equal at the beginning, but because you have more common experience than the next candidate, that's when the add-on should take place. I don't know whether that standardization is going to take place, but that's what I would like to see. And they probably had that back in the day, and they'd take an inventory of your resume, and, oh, Johnson's been here for 10 years, and we're going to give a promotion to him over that. And, yeah, you would like to get something back to that that would be fair because you're judging the individual based on their unique traits or talent, not what their plumbing is downstairs. But sadly, what the fad is among corporate America, a lot of people are kind of confused a little bit where they're like, why are corporations advocating what seems to be, in general, leftist socialist policies, which would only jack up their taxes, but in large are also heavily uh, skewed towards like pro-women, pro-feminism? We got to make 50% of the women on board, or 50% of our board women, a huge push for getting women, uh, an absolute disregard for men. And keep in mind, it isn't even because they're pro-women and they want to help out women. This is the modern-day marketing fad of corporate America, and that is we're going to capitalize on the politics we've given younger generations and indoctrinated them with schools so that they go and they buy our stuff. Look how edgy we are. Oh, we got Colin Kaepernick as a, as a spokesperson for Nike. We're like you. We're down with the cause. You know, I remember when corporate America was supposed to be evil 
evil and mean and bad. Now they're just all chummy with, with the downtrodden. They are not going to give up this marketing fad anytime soon until they have more Gillettes, they have more uh, Nikes, they have more NFLs, where people are like, we're sick and tired of your promoting. It actually is sexism, where you're constantly promoting one group of people over others. Mm -hmm. Then they might abandon that marketing strategy and that may cascade down into their hiring practices or like, okay, we're done with the affirmative action, are we net? Unfortunately, I simply don't see that happening because the amount of political infrastructure that's been invested in people today to be pro-affirmative action, pro-women, and not, they don't even, they're not even aware, they don't think it's anti-male. You know, they, 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 they're not thinking, like, well, I'm for men. It's like, well, you can't favor one people over another and then not say you're anti. It, that is too thoroughly steeped in today's culture and society that that's simply not going to go away. What I think is going to have to happen is when you're hiring underqualified or unqualified women, to be in roles, and then it starts to hit the bottom line and threaten the viability of a company. And so not until that happens do I see corporations abandoning this strategy or the virtue signaling or the marketing or, or the PR shtick uh, with rah-rah, let's get women into the workforce. I, I just don't see it happening. But you are correct. That would that would a merit a meritocratic system that would be fair based on your accomplishments and your skills would eliminate this right away. And unfortunately, still based on choices men and women largely make, you would still have that wage gap and we'd go back to the square one with this wage gap debate again. Yeah, exactly. Last year, by the way, uh, to my audience, I did interview Dr. Warren Farrell and he has an excellent book out there called Why Men Earn More. And Aaron touched on why that is, is because men oftentimes do go for more education, do go for STEM jobs, do go for more dangerous jobs, where women are avoiding those types of things. So that's why there's a wage gap, not because you take the same job, the same exact job, and compare it to the same exact job. In a lot of instances, the women are making more. So, But that's not what the 77% number is based on. It's based on all women's jobs compared to all men's jobs. So anyway, check out that book. I'll post on my social the podcast that I did with Dr. Warren Farrell because it's really a good one. It really explains all of this. All right. We have another caller on the line. Let me see if we can bridge him in. Hello. Welcome to the show. What is your name, please? Frank Corr. Hi, Frank. I'm well. There you go. Welcome. So nice to hear from you. One of those topics that just gets my brain cells just buzzing <laughs> because <Okay. laughs> I'm such a conservative and I really do love the fact that there are, are strong, intelligent women in the workforce. I do love that. I love it when women compete on the same level as men in the same career fields. It's challenging. It's exciting to see them out there. It really is. From someone who's got a military background, I've been exposed to women in technical fields, in very physically demanding fields, in very stressful fields, in all types of environments. And women can hold their own. They really can. The problem is the family has suffered so much because of it. And it's just so sad that society says women can do it all. And women have bought into the fact that 
they can do it all. And what suffers is when they try to do it all, they don't do it all as good as if they focused on what's really important at the time. And I believe that for everything, there's a season. Mm -hmm. And I believe that women are putting off having families for their careers longer than they ever have before. And as a result, are having smaller families. And America as a whole is becoming an immigrant nation more than it is growing from within because we can't, just like Europe, Europe is dying as a culture because they can't sustain their own population. The baby boom was the last big population boom that this country had. And that whole generation now doesn't have enough people to take care of them. Right. And it's because this generation has not focused on family because they've been told that career is important and women have been told that jobs are important and jobs are more important or you can do it all. And they haven't been given society's acknowledgement the fact that raising a family is just as important, if not more important, than being successful in a career. And they haven't been given the credit for that. I think that's not in the airwaves at all. I don't think they tell women or society at all that the family or children are important. But we certainly do hear a lot of the other that more working women should go into the workforce. And you're right. The families do suffer as a result of it. So there's an agenda. (laughs) People who run the media, there is an agenda there for depopulation. And that's part of the reason why this is going on. But yeah, I agree with you. So that's the part that's baking your brain is that we don't put enough importance on the family and having children. And properly raising them. I mean, we're relying on daycares and our education system and after-school activities to raise our children (laughs) Yeah, and grandparents to raise our children. And single moms have been told that you can do it. You don't need a father. And fathers have cried in corners because they can't raise their children. I mean, it's terrible what this country has gone through in the past 40 years as a society. And it's all for the love of dollar, for the love of the dollar. And the fact is, as a whole, our nation hasn't gotten any better for it. No. And that's the saddest part. Society as a whole has not benefited from women becoming more prominent in the workforce. So, Aaron, what should we say to Frank? Are we headed in the direction, if we were to take a crystal ball and look into the future 10 years from now, Are we heading in the direction of a kibbutz like they do in Israel, that 20 people's kids or something? How do we solve this problem? Unfortunately, we don't solve the problem. I mean, I wrote a book called Enjoy the Decline, How to Accept and Live with the Death of the United States. So my position is pretty clear where we're going. We will become a kibbutz. I mean, what, 42% of kids are born out of wedlock. It is so rare now that a wife or a husband stays at home and actually raises their kids. Even homeschools, we immediately ship them out to public schools. I totally sympathize with Frank. It's horrific what we've done to, above all else, our children. But when you look at it, women have made their choice very clear. And, and I'll accuse them of this, that they love their children, but they love their careers and their educations and themselves more than their children. Because kids need their god darn moms. That they need, they need both parents. But now with the government coming in and supplanting the role of a husband, the indoctrination, uh, one thing I have never understood, and, and maybe there's a nefarious, bad incentive, stronger political interest than I have, 
it's not like we're saying women can't go and have careers, you can't go to college, but biology kind of tells you, you better have your kid before you're about 35, and then maybe go uh, off to college. Because raising uh, children is a young people's sport. Well, yeah, but that's why you should have them when you're younger. That's But why, why <laughs> women are now freezing their eggs, why they just get excited when there's an article about a woman who's 54 and gives birth to a kid that has no complications. I don't know. It's not even political. It's biology. Like, ladies, your eggs are going to dry up here soon. So if you want to, quote, have it all, you got enough time to do both. Go have your kids while you're young and healthy and capable of doing it. You have the energy. And then once junior is off to, you know, whatever, the third grade or the fourth grade kind of handle himself a little bit, then go back to college. There's nothing preventing him from having at least those two things. What I completely don't understand is going into debt at the age of 22 for a worthless undergrad, then going into even more debt for a worthless master's degree. Then now you're a financial liability to any guy that might be interested in marrying you. And then you have to have your career. You have to travel. So by the time you're ready to settle down, well, it might be a little late. Uh, any of the traditional guys who might want to settle down with you, they may already be off. And here's the sad part, ladies. When you're in your mid-30s, you're not as good looking as you were in your 25. And so <laughs> men are just not that. And, you know, this is, this is the way of the birds and the bees, no matter what government tells you. It's sad, and I wish it was different, not just because I'm an evil patriarch and I want women in the kitchen. I absolutely don't. I'm a libertarian. Women can do whatever the heck they want. But I'm at least trying to point out to women that, look, if you want to have kids, a better way of doing what you're trying to do right now, and it's having kids when you're younger and raising your kids, because when your kids are gone, and I, I don't know, Linda, if you have kids or not, but when your kids are 18, what do they do, in theory, anyway? Off they go. <laughs> they yes, go. That you and that's it. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I do. do you get I do to have pick them daughter. up when they're little two-year-olds. Yeah. Do you get to pick them up when they're little two-year-olds and turn them upside down anymore, or are those times over and never coming back? They're very precious years, and they go by very quickly. Aaron, you mentioned a lot on your podcast about worthless degree, about the student spending fifty to a hundred grand on education. I have friends that spend fifty to a hundred grand on in vitro. They've waited until age 35 <laughs> to have the kid. And then one of the people whom I know, she's a really high-powered executive, makes well over quarter million dollars a year. They say that once, mm -hmm. you know, it takes that you should kind of slow down for the first trimester just so the baby, you know, is solid and to your body it takes rather than having a miscarriage. Did she slow down? Heck no. She did the in vitro, <laughs> I think, three times, didn't slow down, and on the fourth try she lost it again. This is well over $100,000 this episode. I mean, it's just and there was no result. There was no child uh, produced. So, because, yeah. But her actions, her actions indicate what, look, I know there's the emotional stuff. We don't have time to deal with the emotional or, or what we're told to feel. I look at people's actions. And when I see that, she obviously loved her career more than she did a theoretical kid she might have. Because if she really loved the kid, she would have scaled it back. But she didn't. Right. And so, right. I, you know, it brings up a really sad and dark question. Should these women even be having kids? if they're so enamored with the career and the commute and taxes and, and MBAs. And it, it may be that we just have a low this generation and we got to learn our lumps. My wife used to say that women used to go to college to get an MRS degree. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's true. They used to. <laughs> and they, they don't a bunch anymore. Of debt. <laughs> they just, just get debt. That's all they get. They go to college. They do well in high school and they go to college on a scholarship 
whatever college we don't grant them a full ride to get an MRS mm-hmm. degree. And they'd get a degree in nursing, they'd get a degree in real estate, they'd get a degree in business, general degrees that after they raised their family, they could apply them to something they wanted to do. But they wouldn't go on to the master's until after they had their family. Right. The bad part about that is that the workforce is not stopping for you. It's not going to wait for you. So let's say you defer all that until age 35. Your male competitor has been in the workforce from age 21 to age 35. So he's got a giant head start ahead of you. So I don't know if that's going to work either. Again, it's just the priority. Do you want to be able to be home to your children, or do you want a daycare to raise them? I also wonder, why is it a competitor? I mean, what's the race? Yeah, who you're competing against. Yeah, I mean, so what? Yeah, he's got more than, well, he didn't get to stay home and raise the darn kids. He didn't get to play patty cake. He didn't get to see Jimmy take his first walk. One of the worst things we absolutely do is tell people that their career is the most important thing in their life and what defines them. And meanwhile, their own yeah. genetic flesh and blood, oh, that, that's something we can outsource. We can drop that off at daycare. We don't need that. It's more important that I make salesman of the year award and get my bonus than that my kid grows up right and we don't have to put them on Ritalin. That's the biggest lie we're probably telling women and men today is that the most important thing is your career and what you do. It's like, no, you, you make money. You work to live. You do not live to work. And young people today, especially the young women They have it completely around because the day is coming, and I don't know if the indoctrination is that thorough or not, but I I speculate the day is going to come. But these gals are going to be 50 or 45, and they're not going to have anyone, husband or kids. Right. I guess they'll have a really nice apartment in New York and some really great Prada shoes, but they will not have love. They will not have companionship. They won't have a family. Not that that's the end-all, be-all of anything either, but you threw it away for what? slaving away and paying out half your money in taxes, uh, it really flummoxes. It just confuses me why there's absolutely no, well, there is some independent thinking women out there, but the majority of them just swallow this whole. We've actually convinced them that working and paying taxes is more fun and more rewarding than raising your own family. Because well, society doesn't value on it. That's absolutely correct. Also, I think that the career, the perks, the title, whatever, those items, Aaron, are quantifiable. They're easy to define. So the thing about staying home and raising the kids, it's hard to put a number on it. It's hard to put a value on it. It's hard to put an emotion on it. Yes, you love your kids, but to try to explain that to somebody else who maybe doesn't have kids, that's a hard sell. They just don't get it. So It's it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like the American Express commercials. It's priceless. (laughs) (laughs) But here, here we're, we're operating from an erroneous premise. Who cares what other people think? Like, I don't tell people what I make. You know, oh, look at my fancy car. Who cares? It's this holdover from middle school and high school that, you know, the queen bee wins or the person with the most toy wins. It's like, no. I, I don't know why, and, and I, I didn't believe it at first, but women really have a hang-up dating or marrying a guy that makes less than them. Women also have a hang-up dating short guys because I know because I'm a short guy. And things would be going well, but then also in the tall gals would all leave after a little bit. So I, mean, I kind of figured I pieced it together. But it really is sad that you're like playing a video game for the score. It's like, oh, I got 10 gazillion points on asteroids. So what? Did you conquer the game? Did you have fun? <laughs> that really is the sad thing. We're all focusing on numbers. I'm not saying money isn't important. It absolutely is important. But if you got enough, if you have enough income, uh, and a lot of times uh, when you do the financial analysis, if a woman leaves the house to go work, or it could also be the husband, 
But usually when you have a two-income family, one of those incomes does not generate the income necessary for you to necessarily be ahead after you consider daycare expenses and everything else. So I don't know what who they're trying to prove it to or they're trying to validate all the time they spent on a worthless degree or what, but you're murdering your kids. You're, you're murdering your family. Or you're not ha- You're murdering yourself. You're not going to have any true love or happiness in life. So is this train on the track or is there any way to turn this around to where families oh, no, and children no, are valued no, more? no. No, there's always a way, but it's not likely to happen. You got to understand the government gets these kids at the age of three now. Most younger people are, I don't mean to bring politics into this, but most people who are younger are of a leftist political belief. They believe in the government, they believe in the state, they believe in the social sciences. They have been told that they have to get their career back. I've seen it because I'm that age now where my friends are having kids and they can't wait to kick that kid off the daycare. It's very much ingrained with all the money spent on marketing, advertising, indoctrination, school, K through college. You need an equal amount of counter-propaganda to do that. I mean, you, you look at how much money we spend and how much effort, time, and resources has gone into telling women to go to college, to become a career woman, to do it. How much of that is gone, it goes into telling them to be a good wife, to be a good mother, to raise their children, that there's nothing wrong with being a homemaker. If anything, we actively vilify such things. So until that yeah. changes, which I don't see happening anytime soon, uh, you could expect this generation and the Gen Z or generation go down the same path. It won't be until the cost of having a government substituting the father and the mother, where you have all the quote-unquote incels and the mass shooters and the men, they, they become neat neither employed education or training where men just kind of really give up and they're not working as much because they don't want, why would you go and participate in a a career if women are going to get preferential treatment? Women are being handed out affirmative action jobs or they're just not performing at the economic level required to build the actual economic production to pay for their absence of being at the home. Inevitably, that economic system will collapse, and people might kind of say, well, wait a minute, what worked? And maybe when the pain is, is powerful enough and hurt harmful enough, maybe they'll look back and say, are we doing things wrong? But I really don't see that. Not in our lifetime. We'll be dead by the time that happens. Yeah. I don't see it happening either. I mean, there's got to be a huge shift. I don't know. Maybe we should study some of the Scandinavian countries that do value. They get really long, like one-year maternity leaves, and they get paternal leaves. And, you know, they really do value the family. Yeah, it's not enough, but at least they're doing something to that effort that they are rewarding and they're holding a place marker for those working women that you're not going to lose your job. Go ahead and take a year off and spend the time with your kid, with your infant. They're still relying on the government to say that you need to be working and we'll give you time to have your child and then put them in the system so that they can replace you. It's not about that. It's about raising a family and it's about being happy doing that, being valued doing that. Society doesn't value women being a wife, being a mother, as much as they value them making money. I don't know why women are not upset with that point. They should be, but they're not. I wish that were the agenda. (laughs) I hate to say it, but if the millennials and Gen Xers have taught me anything, Humans are completely susceptible to brainwashing and programming. Yeah. Again, I, I'm, I'm just my, my. I've got to my, go. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> Good night. Thank you, Frank. My jaw is just on the ground as to the sales job they got, uh, the sh- sales job they did 
convincing women to leave the home, to go waste time in college. Because college isn't fun. Oh, the partying is fun. The studying isn't fun. The student loans isn't fun. To convince them to leave the debt. And then to line up at the metered ramps on the highways and then to pay for parking and to go and sit and look at those stupid screens and do everything guys have been doing and then commute back. Oh, then you got to get CPA. Now you got to get a mask. They actually convinced women that working and paying taxes was more fun than raising a family. And you almost have to applaud them because I don't know how to, one, how they did it. That's an amazing feat. But then two, heck if I know how to undo that, because you got to have some <clears throat> great psyops on your team uh, to pull off that trick. Uh, whereas I'm just kind of like, I, I, I got nothing. I wouldn't know how to undo the brainwashing uh, because you convinced women that slavery was better than freedom. I, you know, bravo, bravo indeed. I know it's hard work raising a kid. I'm telling you, it's super hard and there's not too many shoulders you can cry on. And when it's two in the morning and whatever, and you still have to get up and you still have to, you know, get up and out there. It's hard. It's, I can tell you it's a hundred percent easier to go to work, but you know, that's almost like it was a real job or something. (laughs) It's almost like being a mom (laughs) was real work. I wish they would value it as such. Absolutely. All right. We have another caller. Let's see if we can bring him or her in. Welcome, caller. What's your name, please? Hey, Linda. It's Joe Jones. Hi, Joe. How are you? Welcome. Thanks for calling the show again. Yeah. I'm on the same page as Aaron, and Aaron knows me somewhat. He's talked to my daughters. And coming from the perspective of somebody who was a single dad for eight years. I'm really on the same page as him. I mean, look at your friend that is a high-powered executive. Look how hard she was trying to have children possibly later in life. It's because Mm -hmm. she realized what the true importance of her biology is. When you talk about having to compete with someone after you've raised kids, none of that stuff matters if you're married and you have a spouse that helps make up the difference because the reward of having those children in your life and you're going to have children visiting and a family later in life, that outweighs any of that, that a corporate job or any job that is going to use you for your time. And then when they're done with you, they're done with you. They no longer need you. But those children are a lifetime commitment. They'll be in your life typically through the remainder of your life. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's more valuable than a doctorate degree. (laughs) But see, they don't realize that. They don't have firsthand knowledge of it, so they don't know, Joe, what you're saying is true. So unless they come from a big family and have cousins or aunts or they have other family members that they could go hang out with the kids or whatever on the weekend, I guess for a lot of single women, they can't relate to what you just said. So they don't deem it important. Well, I mean, the only thing I see for them in the future then is we see a lot of times these articles, 50 single and alone, never had a family, and bought into the line. That's where they're yeah. going to end up. Well, I was going to say, how are your daughters doing? They started college, right? Yeah, my older daughter is in second year of the IT security. My youngest awesome. daughter is a senior in high school. My son's 24, and he works full-time. And they're all close to me. I was a single parent for eight years, and I know that I'm going to have them around probably the rest of my life. That's something that no job can guarantee me. That is priceless. It is priceless. He's very active. still is an active dad, so now he's not single parent anymore. But I was there during the trenches when you were going through (laughs) all your craziness with the ex and everything. So it's a tough ride. Got to hand it to you. 
other guys should take a page from your book because you really handled it masterfully, especially with your kids. Oh, yeah, definitely. And from a male perspective, and this is the reason why I did remarry, is because I had two teenage daughters that basically they were picking up more masculine traits. And I'm like, you know, you kind of need a feminine influence here. I had a 16-year-old daughter sitting on her couch goes, I have to take a dump. And I'm like, yeah, women don't normally talk like that. Um, we're going to have to do something about that. That's really funny. Yes. How do you guys feel about the reverse? In other words, go ahead and let the women do their high-powered career jobs and let the guy be the stay-at-home dad. There's a biological desire to have children, even when they're younger and they're going, no, we hate children and reproducing, and they can say that line at 21. What are they going to say at 50? Right. Yeah, I'm all want uh, any say of telling other people what to do. I'm all for people making their own choices and decisions as long as they live the, with the consequences. And I've, I've seen it where it makes logical and perfect sense. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who Stefan Molyneux is, but there's a perfect example where the wife has, uh, she's the money maker, and it just makes sense to have the stay-at-home dad because he gets to work from home. And that happened before in the past. Whatever's in the best interest of the kids, they need both parents around. But where I get angry, and I don't even have kids, I just get angry, is where they have kids, kid ain't even three months old, bam, off the daycare because mom and dad got to work. So why did you have the kids? So I'm all for women. I think it'd be a good lesson for them to learn. What is it like commuting every day? What's it like being in the rat race? You go, you get addicted to that power. And then by the time you're 55, you say, what do you got? Well, you got a lot of nice things. Congratulations. But I think it would be fine. We switch roles for a little bit. Men stay home. We'll take care of the kids. We'll watch them grow up. You can go ahead and try and fight this and say, oh, this isn't natural and da-da-da. Well, you know what? Maybe it's about time and say, no, I want to be a stay-at-home dad. I think it will cripple you in the dating market. It will absolutely destroy you in the marriage market. But say, no, I want to encourage my wife to go make as much money as possible. I'll be the stay-at-home dad. And just let that happen for a generation or two. But no, I, uh, in generally speaking, biology, typically it's best if the woman stays home and the guy goes work. That's not always the case on the individual level. But if we're going to do the social science experiment, which we are, no one's going to stop it, we might as well fully endorse it, guys. See what happens. You start dating a gal, she's like, I'm going to be a career, and you're like, nah, I want to stay at home and raise the kids. And just for if anything, the really curious look on their face they have when you say that. We're such a consumeristic society. People stay in line at 2 a.m. to buy the latest iPhone and all that kind of stuff. If we could step it down, maybe back to the post-war beliefs, and maybe do okay with just having one car, or maybe the car is old, like you don't replace it after the four-year lease. Maybe you keep the car for 10 years and have it paid off. Maybe you don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Now, if we did all of those things, then we might have enough room in the budget to be able to raise that kid and for mom to stay home. But that's a pie-in-the-sky dream, too. Well, it's, it's only pie-in-the-sky because people choose not to do it, but it absolutely is mathematically possible. Another book I wrote called yeah. Paul Richard's Retirement, I looked back at the budget of 1955 versus 2015. And it's just bigger houses and multiple cars. Those are the two main items right there. That is why you got to go work a second job is because you need to have this McMansion in the suburbs. You need to have two new cars. You can't buy used. One can't be a grocery getter. If people so choose to do so today, they could easily get by on the median income of one income earner and support a family of three. Meals would have to be made at home. All right, you're not going to Disneyland every year. No wifey poo ain't getting a brand new Infiniti X80 SUV. And the husband might have to learn how to do some auto repairs himself. 
but it absolutely is financially possible uh, because they did it in the 50s on even less of a budget than that. Kids might have, have bunk beds. Heaven forbid you share a room. But it absolutely yeah. is possible. It's that other people, once again, their actions indicate they love things. They love the SUV. They love their trips to Europe. They love their snowmobiles. They love their Prada purses and all that other junk more than they love their actual kids or their family. And that, and that is factually what they are actionably doing. So it is absolutely possible to live on one income. I would almost accuse them of consciously choosing to do that because that's what their action indicates. So they'd rather have the instant gratification of having the new snowmobile or motorcycle or like whatever it is. I mean, that's they get a high. Right. It's literally a dopamine dump in your system when you <laughs> when you do those things or get those things, right? So I guess that's oh, why they're oh, doing absolutely. it. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. So you know, hey, we got we got a nicer car than the Joneses. Well, good for you. The Joneses kids are actually well reared. They're not going to end up in jail and they're not on meth. But your kids will be, and they might get uh, pregnant early. Eh, that's okay. You can get an abortion later. I mean, if you don't invest your time in the kids, they're going to cost you more money in the long run, either in psychological bills, psychotropic drug bills, or uh, going to bring some kid home. And then, well, I love seeing, and I won't deny it's a, it's a dark enjoyment. I love seeing baby boomer parents taking care of their Gen X kids' kids, like taking care of their grandkids because they didn't raise their kids right. I love nothing more than seeing grandparents raising their grandchildren because, like, you brought that on yourself. And, and you know, oh, that's fine. You had a great career. But now you're 72 and you're raising your son's child because your son is a deadbeat and you raised them that way. There's balance in everything. I just try to look for the joy in these things. <laughs> Payback is a B, huh? <laughs> yes, it is. Well. Yes, it is. I love that. Well, the writer of this research study, Morgan Stanley, did this research because obviously they want to tell their clients what to make their investment in. And so one of the areas that they're saying okay to their investors is the luxury car market. Because usually when a person goes from not making any money at all to, to the point where you have a few bucks in your pocket, the first thing that person does is usually buy a car or a used car or step up the car that you already have and and they're predicting the Teslas of the world and the luxury market, the Lexuses and Infinities and what mm -hmm. have you, are just going to have a giant boom. So they tell their investors, go ahead and invest your stock in those kinds of funds. So I believe anything, them. If, I can't disagree. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I say invest you know, a little bit more in catnip, but you know, yeah, go ahead and <laughs> invest in Infinity. Right. Yeah. So that's how it is. All right, everybody, if you've just joined us, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today we were joined by my guest, Aaron Clary. You've got to check out his podcast, Captain Capitalism, and check out his books. By the way, you don't have to remember all these links. I have it all on the social media sites. You can just click and go, but he's got multiple books that you need to check out. Aaron, it's been amazing having you on the show. We have just a couple minutes left if you want to say a few closing words to either about yourself or about the topic, please go ahead. I just make a case to any gals listening right now. I think a lot of it is five mentality and compliant behavior to be popular. And for once, will you actually exercise some independent minded thought and deep down inside, ask yourself what you want. And if you want to have kids, then go have kids. And don't think it comes at the expense of you getting an educational career because you can have both. If there's one thing I can get across is it's tickety-tock, tickety-tock, and if you forgot it in the seventh grade, go brush up on sex ed and how your body works. Go have families early if you want to have kids, 
And if you want to have a successful family, you have to put your family ahead of yourself. That means you're going to have to stay thin. You're going to have to be beautiful for your husband. Oh, my God, you might have to sexually satisfy him. And you've got to spend time with your kids. And for that investment, that probably won't actually last more than 11, 12 years. If you start in your younger 20s, you'll still be in your mid-30s. And then when the kids are out of the house and you got some time, probably even some equity built up in the house, then you can go get an education. Then you can enter the workforce. And if you do it right, it doesn't have to be in something boring or dull like IT or accounting. It can be something that you enjoy and you have fun with. Just try it. Think it through. Just hear me out. I'm not saying it, but please. I mean, if you don't believe me, go look at, at your baby boomer and elder Gen X counterparts and see how happy they are. I like your theory, but to a point, because when you show up at HR and you're 35 years old and you haven't worked in the last 10 years, you're not even going to make it. Your resume is not even going to make it to their desk. They're going to ash can it. Now, yes, you know that you've been raising the kid, but HR doesn't care. They've got 200 other I know, but they've got 200 other applicants that have been working for the last 10 years. Now what? Oh, but no, this is under the assumption you're going to start your career. You'd be going entry level. Yeah, I mean, there's a cost to having the kids. You're not going to start as senior VP. You'd be entering as an entry-level analyst or a junior admin or something like that. There's no doubt about it. But what you want me to do is, is make it the perfect world where you, can, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You're going to have to sacrifice. It's the conservation of mass law, it's in physics, it's in economics, and it's in human time. If you spend an hour raising kids, that's one hour less in your education and career. So there are going to be sacrifices. It's just what's most important to you. And you got to be perfectly 100% honest with yourself and not let your teachers or guidance counselors or media or people magazine influence you. True. And then we have, in addition to that, we have the ageism that the HR person or the owner of the company or whatever is saying, why should I hire you when the next person's 10 years younger, even at an entry-level you, position? You, you could say, because I'm not a millennial, I'll show up on time. That's what you could say. <laughs> Honestly, oh, I, I, I don't want to hire a young person. You, I'll take every 40-year-old person out there. Yes, gladly. Now, that would probably work. We're going to use that line. <laughs> Joe, do you have any final words or comments on the topic? Yeah, I mean, there where you say you're going back into the workforce, still you're offsetting that if you've had a spouse who's built a career. And as Aaron said, you've built equity into a home. The end result is what do you want? Do you want that family for a lifetime or do you want to be the CEO? right away at 35 coming back into the workforce. See, you you got you to gotta see what you're trading off to have the family that's going to be with you for the lifetime versus being 50, childless, all by yourself. I mean, which, which one has more value in the long term? Right. The message that's out there in the media today is not a good one. It's very biased and one-sided. And Aaron, like you say, people have to come to their own come-to-Jesus moment and decide between they and their husband, they and their spouse, you know, what's best for the household, what's best for the family, and just take it from there and stop listening to what everybody else is doing. Just do what's right for you and make it work. Absolutely. If you want to be like everybody else and be average and have an average outcome, you make the same decisions everybody else is doing. If you want to be unique and maybe have success in a successful life that blows everyone out of the water, do what you want. Yep. And on that note, let's close out our show. Thank you so much for coming. I definitely invite you to come again, Aaron. Loved having you here. And maybe I can go on your show sometime as well. We're sure. Just Thanks for having out. me on. Uh, yeah, absolutely. 
Kathy. And Joe, thank you again. You've been a very, very long time supporter. I love having you on the show again. Thank you, Joe, for calling in. And thank you to David and Frank for calling in. Next time, you guys can call in, too. So make that happen. We will see you right here, same time, same channel, on the Men's Advocate Show. We're here usually every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Bye for now, and we will see you next time on the Men's Advocate Show.